Well, good morning, Momentum Church. My name is Bradley Johnson. I am the executive pastor here at Momentum Church, and Pastor Ross, our lead pastor, is on vacation for a little bit of time. Uh, he'll be back in a couple of weeks. Um, I just want to give a, a, just a special recognition to our friends here from Greater Church. Um, they're going to be launching their church in August. What, what weekend is it? 13th. August 13th. Uh, man, and we're just so honored to have them here with us. They're going to be launching over in the Ackworth area. Yeah. <clears throat> man, and Momentum, here at Momentum, we want to invest in other churches and church plants. And, um, you know, it is our hope that, no, it's not our hope. We're going to, Lord willing, we are going to be planting churches out of this church as well in the name of Jesus. Um, and in the meantime, until we get to that point, we're going to continue doing whatever we can to support the local churches, church plants that are around us, um, and help them however we can. And so we're super honored to have you guys here um, with us. Be praying for them. Um, the last week, uh, we started this series called Paradigm, okay? Uh, Paradigm. And, you know, we talked a little bit about uh, the idea that as momentum starts uh, getting into this flow of miracles, this flow of signs and wonders that's happening. Because here's the thing, if you've been away for a while and you're back, welcome back. We're excited to have you. But you need to understand that God has been doing some really, really incredible things here. We have seen people's necks healed. We have seen people with arthritis healed. We've seen cancer gone. You know, that's what, that's what Marvin was talking about, wherever Marvin went. Man, and <clears throat> like, yeah, hello. And uh, man, it's, Listen, we're, we're seeing a whole bunch of incredible stuff happen every single week. We just can't escape it. But we don't want to focus our attention on the miracles and, and pursuing what God can do for us. Because we need to focus our attention on wrapping our arms around a supernatural God. And whenever we wrap our arms around a supernatural God, we cannot help and we cannot escape the supernatural things that surround our supernatural God. And uh, this week, you know, we're going to continue on through that thought a little bit more and, and take a look at what, what, is it, what does it mean, you know, what, what do all these, these signs and miracles mean? And we're looking at the idea of abundance, and, and uh, somebody just got really excited, like, ah, yes, I need, a, I need a pay raise, I need some abundance in my life. Well, that, <laughs> yeah, that's part of it, right? But here's the thing, right? We're talking about the idea of abundance, and, and it's a part of who God is. It's a part of his abundant nature. You cannot escape that thought all throughout Scripture. And the signs and the wonders um, that, that accompany his abundance are part of it, but it's not all of it. And for the longest time, I'll be quite honest, I thought, y'all are going to laugh at me, I thought that God didn't like rich people. I, I'm, tell, I'm being dead serious, okay? This, I, it doesn't get a whole lot more honest than this. I thought God did not like rich people. There's scripture, right, that supports that thought in theory. Okay, y'all finish this then. Y'all laugh at me. It's easier for an, a camel to get through the eye of a needle. Right. See, I held on to that. I held on to that idea of manna in the desert, right? Just enough for today. Just enough for today. God's just going to take care of what we need for today, and that's it. That's all, that's all that we can ask for, God. That's all that we can ask for, just enough for today. Y'all know what the second part of that verse is that talks about the eye of a camel and a rich man? No? But all things are possible with God. 
you know, we can, we can start looking at Scripture through this lens of wherever we are and our insecurities and, and our emotions, and we start looking at, at Scripture through this lens that God never intended us to look at Scripture through. And, man, we get, we get caught in this idea of just enough for today, right? And that's a good thought, okay? It really, it's a good thought because there are times in our lives whenever we need just enough for today, God. God, I, I need just enough to get through today. I don't know if that's emotionally, spiritually, financially, uh, physically, just enough for today, God. That's, that's what I need today. And God does that. Do we all know that God does that? He, he provides sometimes just enough for today, right? And one time I was, I, so my wife and I, we were, we were trying to work on our budget and get our finances in order and all of that because it's been a dream of mine to be full-time with the church um, since I was in high school. That's, that's what I wanted to do. And so Hannah and I, we were trying to get our budget together and, and cut away all of the extra expenses that were not necessary and all of this. And, I was, and that's a good thing, right? So we want you to be on a budget and live within your means. That's a good thing. And God will bless that. But here's the problem. I had the wrong motivation. My motivation was I need to cut down my budget because God is only going to give us just what we need and nothing else. A terrible way to live. And I was, as I was praying about it one morning and I was really nervous and anxious and, and I was just talking with God and God, man, he just chopped me in the throat. It was like, <laughs> so I'm, I'm praying and I'm like, God, I need you to help me. I need you to take care of my finances. I'm just so scared. I'm nervous right now. And, and all of a sudden, man, God just was like, okay, I have a question. Who told you I was the God of poverty? <laughs> right? Who told you I was the God of poverty? And it was like mind blown, you know, because now all of a sudden God is challenging me. All right. All right, so God, you're not the God of poverty. What are you then? All right. What are you then? So now I have to start doing some research to figure out who God is. And, and I, it, never, it never left me, right? It never left my thought, my attention, that God was doing cool stuff, man. And God could certainly take care of my needs. God could provide the miracles that I need. And, and he could do all of that. And that was all good stuff. And it was all godly stuff. It was of God. But there was something more that I was missing, and he needed to show me what I was missing. And, and this reminds me, I'm a, I, I, so I like exercise. I really like exercise. Some of you hate me because I like exercise so much. And I'm like, hey, yeah, so how's your workout go? And they're like, no, I didn't work out today. And I hate you. And, you know, I'm like, my bad. It's just, it's what I like to do. I'm never going to have a six-pack, though, because I like junk food just as much as working out. I'm okay with this. I see somebody just raise their hand saying, preach. I was like, okay, I'll, I'll preach that. I do, okay. So, but here's the thing. So I'm so cheap. Um, so whenever I get a gym membership, all right, my gym membership was to Fitness 19. Anybody know Fitness 19? Some of y'all have worked out at Fitness 19 one time. Fitness 19 is great. It's cheap, and the, and the equipment works most of the time. <laughs> this is a true story. We had, um, you know, the, for bench press, it's a bench. One time it wasn't working. 
Like, let that sink in. It's a bench. They had the pad, they had the pad removed for you to lay on. So all that was there is a bar for you to lay on. Nobody did bench press for a month. And so I'll never forget, I was, I was working out one day. I was doing something, I'm sure, really manly. Um, and lifting a lot of weight, not really. Um, but I was lifting. I had my headphones in, and I've got noise-canceling headphones. They're not like Beats or something, but they're good. They work, okay? I'm cheap, remember? So I've got these headphones, and they're in, and I've got music, like, blasting, you know, like crazy music, because that's how I get up in the morning is crazy music really loud in my headphones. So I'm lifting, crazy music on, and all of a sudden I hear this noise, and it's a little bit loud, so I'm sorry, but this is how it was in my ears. So I'm working out, and then all of a sudden, and we're like, what? And and I'm looking around, and other people are looking, so I know it's not spiritual. And, (laughs) And so all of us are looking around, seeing where this noise is coming from, and it's this lady on an elliptical. Man, she just she's just going to town like nothing's happening. We're like, hey, that's not supposed to make that noise. That's a lawsuit waiting to happen. Your $10 a month is not gonna pay for that. So anybody that could hear what was going on is thinking to themselves, she needs to get off of that machine quickly. But I guess she had headphones in that were a lot louder than mine or something. And she's just like, ah, it looks fine to me. You know, I'm just doing my thing. It looks all right. And here's the thing, though. So even though it looked like it was fine, if you listened to what was happening, you would know it was not fine and it needed to require some reaction on your part. And spiritually, as we look at the miracles of God, we can look and see that stuff looks pretty dang good. It looks like it's going okay. But if you listen to the voice of God, there's something else that requires attention. And we're going to start in Numbers. Let's go to Numbers chapter 13. This is where we're going to spend uh, a majority of the time. Uh, Numbers is in the Old Testament. It's the fourth book from the left Um, And we're in chapter 13. Now, what we need to understand is that, uh, so God had promised a long time ago that he was going to bring his people into the promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey, cities that they didn't build and vineyards that they didn't plant, all kinds of different stuff, man. It was abundant blessing, and that's what God was bringing them to. And uh, so now they're, they're in Egypt. They've now left Egypt. They've been out in the desert for about two years at this point, all right? And now God is finally saying, guess what, guys? Everybody pack your stuff. Let's move out. We're going into the promised land. Moses, I want you to send 12 spies over, and I want them to just gather all the information. So everything that I've told you it's going to be, I want them to go verify for everybody else so they know what kind of blessing you're about to walk into. And this is where we're going to pick up. So uh, verse 1, then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, send out for yourselves men so that they may spy out the land of Canaan, which I am going to give to the sons of Israel. Now that sentence there is important which I am going to give. I am going to give it to the sons of Israel. You shall send a man from each of their father's tribes, every one a leader among them. So Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran at the command of the Lord, all of them men who were heads of the sons of Israel. 
I'm going to pause there for a second. We're going to skip ahead to verse 18. Because he starts listing off all of the different names of people, most of which I can't pronounce. Um, And we're about to get into a bunch of different cities and people's names that I'm going to do my best on. Make fun of me after you go home. Okay? It could be good lunch conversation. Like, okay, hey, how would you pronounce this name? Um, If, you know, it's the, I don't know. All right. Verse 18, see what the land is like. All right, this is Moses talking now. See what the land is like and whether the people who live in it are strong or weak, whether they are few or many. How is the land in which they live? Is it good or bad? And how are the cities in which they live? Are they like open camps or with fortifications? How is the land? Is it fat or lean? Are there trees in it or not? Make an effort then to get some of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the time of the first uh, ripe grapes. So they went up and spied out the land from the wilderness of Zin as far as Rahab and Lebo Hamath. So listen, Moses is saying, I want you to go over there and tell me what everything is like because I know what God has said. We all know what God has said. I want you to go verify that everything that God has said is accurate. That's all I want you to do. Just go verify that it's accurate and come back and tell us. When they had gone up into the Negev, they came to Hebron, where Ahiman, Sheshai, and Talmai, the descendants of Anak, were. Now, Hebron was built seven years before Zon in Egypt. Then they came to the valley of Eshkal, and from there cut down a branch with a single cluster of grapes, and they carried it on a pole between two men. Now listen, that's a big dang cluster of grapes, right? Like, what I get at Kroger, my seven-year-old carries. That... Like that in and of itself, it should have been trip over after that, all right? They come back, they have to put a cluster of grapes on a pole between two men. That's a big, that's fruit right there. With some of the pomegranates and the figs, that place was called the Valley of Eshkol because of the cluster which the sons of Israel cut down from there. When they returned from spying out the land at the end of 40 days, they proceeded to come to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the sons of Israel in the wilderness of Paran and at Kadesh. And they brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Thus they told him and said, we went into the land where you sent us, and it certainly does flow with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. It should have ended there. That should have been the end of the message. That's all that they were asked to do. I want you to go over and tell us what it's like. Is it everything that God said it was going to be? They should have come back and said yes. And that'd be the end of it. But they go on. Nevertheless, the people who live in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. And moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. Amalek is living in the land of the Negev, and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites are living in the hill country, and the Canaanites are living by the sea and by the side of the Jordan. And Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, oh, wait. All right, he's, he's stopping them. Wait a second. Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Stop, guys. We should by all means go up and take possession of it, for we will surely overcome it. Remember, okay, you got to remember how many times throughout Scripture leading up to this point, right, they're talking about, hey, hey, guess what? Like, this is new information. The Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites are living in the hill country, and the Canaanites are living by the sea, You know what God said at that point? I know. (laughs) I already 
already told you that, that they were living there, and I told you I was going to drive them out. I don't need to know that. And so Caleb's trying to calm them down. No, 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 we need to go overtake it. But the men who'd gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people, for they are too strong for us. So they gave out to the sons of Israel a bad report of the land, which they had spied out, saying, the land through which we have gone and spying it out is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people we saw in it are men of great size. There also we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, are part of the Nephilim, and we became like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. So Moses sends them and says, God's been promising this for years and years and years that he was going to bring us into this land. Cities we didn't build, fruit that we didn't plant, stuff that we don't necessarily deserve, but he's going to bring us there and bring us into all this blessing. Now, I want you to go over there and verify for these people that everything that God said is true. And so they were, spo- they were supposed to go and just get in some information, just some information. So they go and they come back and they bring a little bit of information, but they bring something else with them. They bring their insecurities with them. Their insecurities in their relationship with who God is. Now, I, I tried to figure out, because here's the thing. You can look through the text. The text doesn't say they brought insecurity back, but I can't find any other word for it. Right? And, and here's, what, here's what happens in Numbers 14. God starts talking to them. Uh, 22, surely all the men who have seen my glory and my signs, which I performed in Egypt and the wilderness... Yet have put me to the test these ten times and have not listened to my voice. Here's what's interesting about this. Whenever it comes to miracles in God, we're going to see two different things happen. The first thing that we're going to see happen is that we can see the miracles. Right? Because that's what, that's what happened to them. All right? So they're in Egypt. All right? They're in Egypt. And all of a sudden, God sends these plagues in order to help get them out of Egypt. He sends all these plagues, and they're seeing this going, oh, my gosh, just absolute fear and awe at who God is and what he's doing for his people right now. You can see those miracles happening. Then they get out, and and Pharaoh starts chasing them, and they get to the Red Sea, and the Red Sea parts, and they're able to cross through to the other side. And God just destroys their enemy in the Red Sea. And they see that miracle, and they know, wow, look at our God. Then they get out into the desert and, and now they're hungry and God says, don't worry, I'm going to take care of you until you get to the promised land. Here's manna out of heaven. So they see that miracle. And you can, you can see where all throughout they see the miracles of God. But then he goes on. Can you put that back up on the screen for me? Then he goes on. He says, they've seen my miracles. No, not that one. Numbers 14. They see my miracles or my signs that I performed in Egypt and in the wilderness, yet have put me to the test and have not listened to my voice. 
So there's a second part to this, to walking into the abundance that God has for your life. And it's the idea of listening to God's voice, listening to who God is. And we have to understand that whenever we're talking about the idea of listening in that Jewish context, listening is very active. It always requires reaction on our part. Whenever we're listening to something, it's not just hearing it and just dismissing it. It's hearing it with the specific intent that I'm going to take it and I'm going to run with it. I like my amen corner. <laughs> it's, it's that idea of listening. So they saw all the miracles happening and they acknowledged that it was God. But there's something that they were missing because while they could see all of the miracles happening, God was saying, you saw them, but you didn't listen. What did they not listen to? The idea that underlying all of those miracles, you had all these miracles, but there's something that fuels all the miracles. And it's the goodness and the abundance of a living God. What did they not listen to? So they come back, right, with all of this insecurity Yeah, God, you've done miracles before. But all of these miracles, if you read on in the text, you start in chapter 14, you read on in the text, you start reading that all of a sudden they say, he's led us out here to die. They missed it, this underlying peace. See, they believed that the God who sent the plagues the God who brought them through the Red Sea, the God who provided manna was now doing all of this to set them up to die. And that was the insecurity. That was the the insufficiency of their relationship with who God is as their good father, as their abundant father. And there was now a wall. And we need to understand our insecurities will never affect the abundant nature of who God is. But our insecurities can prevent us from receiving from that abundant nature. I'm going to say that again. Our insecurities cannot ever affect the abundant nature of who God is. God is always going to be abundant in nature. It's just who he is. Look throughout scripture. Now that your eyes are opened a little bit, You go and you start reading through scripture. Look for his abundance. It's everywhere. It's just who he is. You cannot escape his abundant nature, his good nature. It's just who he is. And he wants to be a father who gives good gifts to his children, gives abundancy to his children. But whenever we bring our insecurity to that relationship, it's like a wall where all of a sudden, now we doubt. Yes, God, I know that you've taken care of me in these small miracles. But I don't know if you've led me out here to kill me or not. And I, listen, I know that that's not, that's not something that most people think about, right? But whenever you take some time in your quiet time and really reflect and think through, God, why don't I see abundance in my life? Why do I just see these short-term provisional miracles? We need to understand that manna was designed for two years, not 40. They were only supposed to receive that short-term provisional miracle for two years. 
So there are times in our lives whenever we have those short-term miracles that happen. Praise God for them, right? It it, it didn't say that they shouldn't have seen my signs and only listened to my voice. No, it's and, right? See my short-term provisional miracles and listen to the voice of goodness. Listen to the voice of abundance because that's what I want to bring you into. That's what I want you walking into. I didn't do all of these short-term provisional miracles to lead you to death. I did it so I could lead you to abundance. And sometimes we need that short-term provision. But we have to understand that there's a second layer of understanding who God is as a good and abundant father. Let's go to the New Testament in John. John chapter 6. We talked a little bit about this last week. John chapter 6. Um, Jesus, uh, is, he just fed the 5,000. Um, and... Now, all of a sudden, they're, they're talking with him, and he's saying, hey, listen, you need to understand who I am as the Messiah, not as the one who's just doing miracles, because all these miracles have a purpose. The miracles are not just for the sake of making you happy and point to other miracles. It's for the sake of pointing to who I am as your Messiah. That's the point of the miracles. And so here we go. So they said to him, well, then what do you do for a sign? So that we may see and believe you. Believe that you're the Messiah. What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them bread out of heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread out of heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread out of heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down out of heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, always give us this bread. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. Jesus, in this moment, he's talking with them, and they're like, okay, well, you want us to believe in your goodness. You want us to believe in your position as Messiah. Well, what can you do? I mean, Moses gave us manna, short-term provision. And Jesus, in this moment, is like, are you kidding me? Like, whoa, whoa. You're going back to manna? That was supposed to be for two years. And because of your lack of faith, your lack of understanding, your lack of listening, you got stuck with it until everybody in that camp died when I wanted to bring you into abundance. Are you going to do that again? Learn from your father's mistakes. Your fathers didn't understand that God is a good God full of abundance that wants to give to you. They didn't get it. And now I'm here as the Messiah, the one that you've been looking for. And, and, and I'm giving to you. The Father is giving to you again. He's trying to get you into the promised land. He's trying to move past the short-term provisional miracles and get you into an eternal miracle. And you want manna again? got to figure out that we serve a good God who wants to give us good gifts. Jesus even goes on to say, you as as an evil father know how to give good gifts. How much more does your father in heaven? And there he's talking about the Holy Spirit being one of the gifts. And that Holy Spirit comes into our lives. And he doesn't just produce a little bit of fruit, a little bit of joy for today, a little bit of gentleness for today, 
a little bit of self-control for today. Now, you know what? The Holy Spirit gets in our lives and he starts working. And he starts providing abundance. Abundant joy. Abundant gentleness. Abundant patience. Abundant self-control. Can't stop it. My wife knows. I'm trying to get more patient. Man, who I was 10 years ago is not who I am today. Jeff, don't you amen to that. (laughs) Man, the, the Holy Spirit comes into our lives and he starts producing this abundant fruit that we can't control. And it's a little bit more and a little bit more. It's not just enough for today. That's not how the Holy Spirit works. It's a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more into abundance. 50 years from now, Lord willing, if I'm still preaching, man, I don't know what I'm going to be like because of the Holy Spirit. Man, so I don't know what you need today. But we serve a God of abundance. We have a God who has started doing the signs and the wonders in Egypt and in the wilderness, here inside of Momentum. And I want you to see the signs and the wonders that are happening around here. We had a lady last service who who had arthritis healed in her wrists. See the signs and wonders, but listen to the voice of God all throughout Scripture, all throughout time, all throughout everybody's stories of hope in here. We serve a good and holy and abundant God. And listen, you, you need abundance today, right? I, we all need abundance in different ways. I'm going to write the word abundant up here. Abundant. Hopefully I'll spell it right. All right. Abundant, right? Maybe you need abundant finances. Have you all heard the story of the widow and the oil? Right? For those of you who haven't heard it, there's a widow and she has a few sons and she's got this big debt that she has to pay off. Right? And so she goes to the man of God. She goes to Elisha because she, she knows that Elisha is deeply, intimately connected with God. And so she says, man of God, what do I need to do so that I can get this debt paid off? Right? And so then all of a sudden, Elisha says, okay, here's what I want you to do. What do you have in your house? And she's got, I got a little bit of oil. Perfect. Right? And there's this whole like mental conversation that has to happen here. Whole mental conversation that has to happen where she's realizing whatever God is about to say through Elisha is going to be good and pure and abundant for my life. Whatever's about to come out of his mouth. She's got to believe it or else she wouldn't be going to him. And so then Elisha says, okay, I don't want you to just start pouring oil in all the jars you have in your house. I want you to go to your friend's house and get all of their jars. Then I want you to go to your neighbor's house, get all of their jars. Then I want you to go to your enemy's house. I want you to go to the stranger's house. I want you to get jars from all over the place until you can't find any more jars that you can fill up. She only got a little bit of oil though. She says, okay, okay, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go get the jars. So she starts getting jars, 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 everywhere jars. And so then she starts pouring and pouring and pouring and pouring and pouring and pouring and pouring until she has no more jars. And then the oil stops. You know what Elisha says? He says, go sell it all and pay your debt. 
And here's the thing, if God wanted to live off of just the provisional miracle, like that would have been a miracle in and of itself, worthy of celebration and praise. But the verse didn't stop there. The verse goes on and and, and he says, go pay your debt and live off of the rest. Some of y'all need help with finances this morning. it's all throughout scripture. Let's look at Peter and John. Peter and John in Acts, man, this is crazy, right? They're not schooled. Knowledge. There we go. I wish I had, I wish I had like spell check on here. Anyway. So these guys weren't trained all the way through, right? So you had all these rabbis who they went through years and years and years of schooling the smartest of the smart. And now Peter and John, they're standing in front of these guys, in front of these Pharisees, these rabbis, and they're being tested. And you know what it says? It says that they were amazed by the fact that Peter and John were unschooled and yet were able to be so smart. God in that moment gave them the abundant knowledge that they needed in order to point to the good and abundant God. What about Solomon, right? Solomon, yes, he was rich beyond belief, the richest, wealthiest king in the world. But you know what he was? He was the wisest because he prayed for it. He asked for it and God wanted to bring him into abundance. And he was like, man, you know what, God, what I'm missing in my relationship with you is abundance of wisdom. God, I want to be wise. So God delivered that, abundant wisdom. What about Lazarus? Lazarus was dead. I'd say he needed abundant life. He was dead and so many people walk in these doors spiritually and emotionally dead week after week. Man, and in this moment, man, my hope my hope and prayer for you right now is just that that you can pray in this moment, God, I need your abundant life. I feel so drained. I feel so dead. Maybe it's abundant life for you. Maybe like Joshua. He had abundant victory. You're struggling with addiction. You're struggling with a situation. Man, I need victory. God, I'm right with you. I believe in your son. My finances are great. Hallelujah. Man, I keep keep hitting the same wall. I need some victory. Maybe you're like the blind and you need sight. Maybe you're like the lame and you need strength. It's all abundant. God's got it. And you know what's interesting about the lame here? Whenever God restored his legs, a few people, you know what he did? Before he restored the guy's legs, he gave them in abundance. 
Some of y'all need forgiveness. I don't know who you've hurt. Maybe it's others. Maybe it's yourself. But the God who we serve, the good God, is a God full of abundance. I had to stop here because I only have a few minutes to preach. Search. Look at God's word. Because I know you're seeing all the stuff. You're seeing all the stuff up here. But there's a voice that's right underneath all of it. It says, I'm a good God. I'm an abundant God. I'm a loving God. So Brantley, this sounds good. But there's a wall, and I don't know how to get past it. How do I even get started moving towards God's abundance whenever I know that I've brought all my insecurities? I know that they're there, and I don't know how to deal with them. There's a story in the Old Testament with Jonathan and Jonathan's armor bearer. Jonathan is Saul, King Saul's son, and they're camped out, ready to do battle. And Jonathan and his armor bearer go up to these rocks and they're looking over and Jonathan has this moment that some of us need to duplicate. He says, perhaps the Lord will work for us today. If you're, if you're in here and you know that you have brought your insecurities and it's standing between, between you and an abundant God. And you're like, God, I want the abundance. I'm not sure how to see you as a good God yet. I just want you to pray perhaps. That's your word. That's your word for this week. That's your word for this month. I don't think it's go past that because at that point you're going to start seeing how good of a God you actually serve. Perhaps the Lord will do something for us today. Let's stand to our feet. At this time, if you're going to be one of our prayer partners, can you come down front? We're going to have a time of just open prayer. Okay? I'm going to be down here. Listen, guys with guys, ladies with ladies, let's pray together. Okay? If you are in here this morning and you need to start seeing a provisional sign, a provisional miracle, where maybe I don't know what it is. Maybe it's healing in your body. Maybe it's temporary. Maybe it's permanent. I want you to come down here and pray with us. If you need abundance in your finances, abundance... I don't know, abundance in wisdom with how to deal with the situation, abundance in gentleness... Abundance and patience, abundance and joy. If you need abundance today, I want you to come down here and let us pray with you. Chino, can I get, can I enlist you to come pray? Lydia, can I enlist you to come pray? If y'all want to come pray with these folks, come pray with them. We're going to go into a time of worship and a time of prayer. And let's just see what God does. 
Thanks for joining us for this episode of Fuel for the Journey. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.